0: has been paid for by the WZWA Network.
1: and welcome to the WZWA Network and welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California, and it's a joy to be with you all once again. And this is a big moment for me right here, right now, because this is episode 150 and I was thinking to myself, "Hmm, hmm, what is the best way that I could celebrate the 150th episode of this podcast? And I thought long and I thought hard. And I thought to myself, you know what, it might be a good idea to have my first ever return guests, return to be on the Insider's Edge podcast once again. And I could not look any further than two guys that were, without a doubt, two of my most favorite interviews that I ever had because I was a big fan of them back in the day. They both know that. I'm a mark for them. I'm now also a friend of them. Even one of them I speak to almost every single day. That's how great this podcast has been. So without any further ado, please allow me to introduce two members of the Texas Hangman. Also, two members of the most underrated tag team in WCW history. They are the one and only disorderly conduct, Tough Tom and Mean Mike. How are you, boys? Hey, Carl. How are you doing, bud? I'm good, my friend. Carl? Tom, Mike, great to have you both here. This is really special for me because uh, of the friendship that uh, has been born between us from our our interviews prior, but also the fact that um, this is the first time Disorderly Conduct have done an interview together. So this is what it's all about for the Insider's Edge podcast. (laughs) I'm killing it. Uh, So having you both here is fantastic. And I'm just going to get underway with my questions here, boys, because uh, I want to talk about the very early days and when you two first met and I'm going to uh, I'm going to uh, to talk to Tom here, first and foremost, Tom, I'd imagine before you became the hangman that you two had met prior. Because as in my research, I, I've seen that on the 14th of April, 1990, the hangman, the original hangman picked up a win over Tom Bennett and Todd Becker for the AWA in Rochester, Minnesota. Um, so, uh, I'd seen that you'd, you'd work with him. So I wanted to ask you, Tom, what did you first think of Mike when you first met him?
2: Oh, man, no.
0: <laughs> Be careful <laughs> of your answer here, Tom. Yeah, yeah,
2: I'm I know. Uh, no, uh, actually, uh, we were training, me and my previous partner were training down by Stone, Tom, Tom Rocky Stone. and. Uh, Mike and Frank were getting a big push, starting to get a big push in AWA. Mm -hmm. So they come down to work out one time and me and my previous partner were in there and, and, you know, they get in and start working with us and, and, uh, uh, beat our ass basically, you know, but, but they were getting geared up for TV. You know what I mean? So, um, going against them, like at the TV was, was pretty easy just because I knew Mike and Frank. So we knew what to do. And, and, uh, you know, it, it was, it was, it was a night off. Let's just say that.
1: <laughs> Very nice. cool. And, uh, and, and throwing it to you now, Micah,
0: uh, what did you first think of Tom when you met him? Well, when I met Tom, he was with his partner, Cully, and know, their James gang, and they were doing a lot of indies. And I met him on the indie scene who Rocky stone shows, We had all been trained by the same guy. Um, Tom was great. He was a cool dude. Um, You know, I didn't know him well, to be honest with you, but I knew him just from traveling a little bit and all that. And he was always really cool. Cully was really cool. And uh, the James gang, I liked their gimmick. Um, But when we did TV with him, I didn't know him that well at that time. I eventually, of course, got to know him very well. But at that time, he was pretty much just a guy I knew from the NDC. Yep. Right. Very
1: interesting stuff, because it's interesting how that's where it was at one point, and then it becomes this other thing where you kind of tie to the hip eventually. Who would have guessed? Who (laughs) would have guessed? And and I'm following up with you here, Mike, uh, to maybe explain uh, to to those that may not be aware how uh, and when you two became partners and expand on your search for a permanent partner after the split with uh, Frank Bull Payne. because uh, from my interview with Tom, he mentioned that you, you're obviously quite protective over that spot that you were offering in the hangman because you'd done quite a lot with that team and you wanted to make sure you found the right guy. So please, for anyone out there
0: that's not aware of that story, uh, the floor is yours. Well, what happened is after Bull and I split up, he sold me the gear. He decided he wanted to do the bullpen gimmick. Didn't want to wear the mask anymore. and He wanted to have his his valet with him. So he sold me the gear and the first partner I had was a guy named Rambo Robinson. He was a guy I trained and I took him to Japan and Korea and we had a decent tour, but he we could just tell it wasn't going to go any further than that. So then I had another friend of mine that I grew up with actually named George who wrestled as a spy master independently and uh, him and I did it for about a year and a half. And we got the Winnie City straps, and it was going okay, but him and I kind of butted heads. Him and I are like brothers. We fight a lot, and so we just didn't work out. So then I was like, what am I going to do? I got to get another partner. And I started looking at all the indie guys and all that, and Tom was close to my size. I knew he was a good guy. And I remember, Tom, I called you up, and I said, hey, do you want to come down to the ring in Milwaukee and do like a tryout with me? I do remember. Remember? And he came down from Sheboygan, 90 minutes away. And when we got in the ring, I felt a, I felt a, like like a connection, like we were good together. And I was like, This guy's, I think this is my next partner. And I said, Do you want to do it? And he was like, Hell yeah. And off we went, man. Yeah, that's right.
1: Awesome. Cool. So, like I uh, you know, that that's how it all happened. And uh Tom, you get offered the opportunity to take uh the hangman hood, uh, you bestowed this honor you know, which is a big deal for Mike. So uh, uh, how did you feel about wearing a mask and hiding that gorgeous mug? uh, (laughs) I I understand that.
0: (laughs) And that that, that part was a shame.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And also, how's the process of bulking up so you could match Mike's size a bit? I think uh, you'd said in our previous interview that uh, he was saying that you you, you probably need to start bulking.
0: He was pretty close by then.
2: Right? Yeah, by the time we took it on the road, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, so absolutely. by the time you
1: got on the road, you're, you're already. Ended. Right.
2: You're going to remember, Carl, this was a, this was a process. This, this really didn't happen just overnight or anything, you know, like I said before in, in the previous uh, uh, deal, Mike, uh, uh you know, he, he, that was his baby, you know what I mean? So, and, and yep. understandable, right? So uh, as, as far as, asking me I was uh, uh I just thought it was awesome right it was I are you kidding me of course I don't know how anybody would say no to that right <laughs> to be honest with you um wearing a mask was a little different but uh like Mike yeah. said we worked out together a bit down in uh, Milwaukee where I was trained and then uh with the hoods on and everything and, and and got a feel for it before we really took it anywhere on the road
1: Right, awesome. So, uh, you know, when you finally did take it on road, Mike, uh, do you recall when Tom first kind of donned the hood? Uh, how did you feel about his early work in the gimmick uh, with you? You know, because you're used to doing it with Frank for so long. Uh, how long did you, you know, it take you to feel like uh, that, um, you know, uh, you, you two were like kind of connecting and clicking as a team?
0: To be honest with you, I had already teamed with Rambo and my friend George, the spy master, and so I was used to different partners. And, and it was it had been a while since Bull and I had teamed up, and I and I always wanted to say thanks to Bull because he was the one who was the original Hangman, and the fact that he sold me the gear was very cool. But when I teamed with Tom, honestly, it was weird. Like we we clicked right off the bat. Like I mean, we started doing Windy City. Tom, did we have didn't we have the Windy City straps? Yeah, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh ah, yeah. we had the Windy City straps. They they put us over right away. We beat Christopher Daniels and Kevin Quinn, I think,
2: overkill. I think, I think
0: you're right. And I think it yeah, And that, and that was say. a tremendous match. Yeah. Remember that? And yeah, that was a good, good match. Yes. And um, so I mean, Tom was we just clicked right away. So I I, I knew this was not gonna be a temporary partner like Rambo and Georgia, then I knew this was the guy, and um, he was eager to learn he, when I first took him on, he was, he was still a little green, Tom, a little bit, Oh yeah. Without a question. You know, but, but, but dude, he caught on quick and, and, and he became exceptional quick.
1: Very good to hear. Um, and, and I, I feel like I, I feel like I didn't talk much with you both when I had my solo interviews with you, uh, working for, uh, Sam DeSera at Windy City Wrestling. Um, so, and as you mentioned, uh, uh, I, when I, I was reading through the results of of your matches earlier, and I was like, "Christopher Daniels was he?" I didn't realize how long that guy had been wrestling for. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, I guess he's uh, drinking from the fountain of youth. But uh, Tom, what are your fondest memories working there with Mike? And and Mike, if you could follow uh, after Tom with your
2: sentiments. Well, that was for me. That was like, uh, okay, like how do I like a. A territory, right? I mean, Sam DeSero, I mean, he ran that yeah. with Iron Fist, you know, right? Uh, first couple times, to be honest with you, I just concentrated on what the hell I needed to do to to, to uh, fulfill my part of the, the hangman thing, right? So you know how it is. Uh, after a while, you just get more comfortable and more comfortable. I started knowing the guys and stuff like that. So it, it was a. I I think it was just a natural progression, right? Just like like anything else you do. The more you're there, the more you become comfortable. And so, actually, yeah, the first the first couple times, it was a uh, 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 little nerve wracking f- for me, just because I needed to live up to a high expectation. So, you know, just uh, it, it was it was it was. So I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is the first couple of times, I don't even really remember it. I was just trying to concentrate on what the hell I needed to do, you know. So,
0: yeah.
1: And how about you, Mike? Tell me a little bit about Windy City.
0: Though. Um, Tom did great. You know, he, under, he underestimates himself sometimes. He did great, dude. Sam loved him right off the bat, and that's why they gave us the straps. Um, little quick note here, not to put myself over, but, you know, I'm not afraid to put myself over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Christopher Daniels and Kevin Quinn were there at that time, and that's the ones we took the straps from. Well, I was also double dipping in Puerto Rico at the time as Mighty Kodiak, and I got them booked. That was his first ever territory, Christopher Daniels. I got him and Kevin Quinn booked in Puerto Rico full time, and they ended up getting the straps there, which led to Christopher Daniels getting a better career. And to this day, he's always been very thankful about it, which is quite. Cool. I'm not saying I started his career. No, you didn't. Yeah, did. But I at least opened up his – I at least you know put his foot in the door. And they got to straps in Puerto Rico, and I would stay with them when I was Kodiak. And and uh, he, always, he always jokes – he would always joke to me because I'd, I'd be eating, like, a big bowl of Cocoa Puffs at night, you know, <laughs> <laughs> hanging out with him. <laughs> he's like, dude, what the hell? I mean, I was a big guy, you know, it was 300 pounds. <laughs> man's got to eat huh? <laughs> exactly that's what
1: I told him uh, you two start obviously spending more and more time together as you form this team uh, uh, obviously there, there was a moment uh, where there had to have been a moment where you both realized that you two were meant for each other I mean Mike you would refer to Tom as your partner uh, to many people especially even when you went to uh, you know hire out a rental car and and uh, well, for many years, people might have thought that you two were actually together.
0: Yeah, yeah, I yeah. told you that. Yeah. I, you know, it's so funny <laughs> looking back because I'd get a rental car and they'd be like, "Well, who's all going to be in the car?" And I go, "Oh, just me and my partner." And he'd be <laughs> standing next to me. I'm thinking, "Partner," like they're going to know it's we're tag team. But of course, they were like, "Oh, these are some big gay guys." <laughs> <That's> okay, <laughs> <but yeah. laughs> you
2: know, I I got to interject here. Now that was back in the day, though, where it, it wasn't as loose as it is now, right? Where you do say, now, when you do say partner, I mean, it It means, you know, a, a significant Okay, utter. but do
0: you really think they said, okay, well, these guys are probably wrestlers and that's his tag team partner? Or <laughs> do you think they thought, I can tell by looking at Tough Tom that he's a little attracted to me and Mike?
2: Yeah, I, I think it was just a, a mutual attraction thing, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll go with that. That's what I think. Okay, I'll go with that.
1: <laughs> I, I, I can tell you, if I was working the rental rental car company and be like, geez, you know, they must have to get like a double king size bed to fit them. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure they were thinking that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I read uh, that the first trip to Japan for you both together as a team, and again, could be wrong because the internet, as we know, has been wrong many times in the past. Uh, IWA Japan in January and October of 95, uh, working at uh, Kurken Hall, January 2nd, on the 4th and 7th. I don't think I've uncovered this until tonight. um, Working uh, Hiroshi Ono and Terry Funk. Um, uh, If either of you want to trade some uh, fond Japan stories, tell me about working with Terry as well. Also, tell me anything about Tornado Juicy and Grayskull. The floor is yours. (laughs) Let's start with you, Tom. Uh, Any fond memories of all of these times here in Japan?
0: Before Tom, before you speak, this was when we were the hang. This wasn't Grayskull. Of course, Grayskull and a uh, tornado juicy. Oh, King that was later. later. Yes, but Tom, tell him some Terry Funk stories. We he was interesting. Well, he was interesting. Yeah, uh, uh, the
2: one that I sticks out in my head, and and I I think I might have even mention it in my uh, in, in, I don't in the think you did. one. But uh, so it. it if you don't know, you travel on a bus over there, right? And and you usually stay for about a month. So after the show, everybody gets on the bus. There's usually beer on the bus and stuff. And uh, <laughs> so uh, we get in the bus and we're drinking, you know, going to going to the next town. And Terry, for some reason, is out of it quick, right? So mm-hmm. he's never in reasons chair. He's napping back in his chair, right? And we're all shooting the shit and just having a good time. And the next thing I know, I look back and Terry sort of comes to a little bit. He goes to do a farmer blow, misses his nose completely, goes to do it again, misses his nose again, looks over at the drapes on the on the bus, goes there, blows his nose in the <laughs> blows his nose in the drapes and back out just like that i mean not uh, uh passed out like
0: like he crazy he blew his nose in the drapes of the bus <laughs> in the drapes <laughs> on the bus yeah it was it was, it was that's, that was <laughs> great be there, maybe it was great yeah that was great terry can pull that off nobody else could <laughs> i already got tears oh, he's over over there yeah right
1: um <laughs> Uh, what about you, Mike? Uh, you know, the, the, the first few times here uh, in Japan, this is pretty special stuff. Do uh, you have any anything that stands out to you?
0: Um, it was it was really a cool tour. Um, one of the funnest things was watching Tom, because he's very Sheboygan, meat and potatoes. In Japan, you don't get that kind of food. Watching Tom walk through the city going, mcdonald's <laughs> mcdonald's <laughs> yeah. all the oh, fucking people there and they're like oh i don't know you know because he wanted burgers and stuff like it was so funny like he did not like the food there but i didn't care i, I just ate whatever but um it was a, it was a great tour was that the tour that we did the bar was that the barbed wire match or no with um yeah that had to be with nakamaki and ono remember the one with the ladder though was that that one you think so we did a ladder we did a barb like a barbed wire bat match with nakamaki and ono these two hardcore japanese guys and then they wanted us to incorporate a ladder to it and we did that which was our first time with a ladder but we did good with it it was great it's on youtube and uh at the end i was supposed to go after nakamaki and he ducks and i hit tom tom got it right in the teeth with the ladder
2: ladder yeah yeah
0: (laughs) But you, you survived and we had a good It was, it was, that was a cool tour. We had a great time. Great time. Was Thanks. that, hey, Mike, was that
2: the tour that
0: I hooked uh, uh Bull? Well, yeah, that might have been the well, one we, where you and Bull were rapping and ringing, you guys, yeah, and you kind of hooked them up a little bit. That was cool. Uh, was that the one that we went to Rapungi and we almost got in it with all those Navy guys? Of course. Oh, yeah, the Marine guys. Carl, so we're, we're in Rapungi, which is the area where all the, Guy jeans, which are foreigners, go to party. And we would have to take a subway all the way there. And then we would party all night. And then you take the subway home. Well, a lot of the bars were underground. They're just cool bars. And we're hanging out when, at some bar, and Tom gets into it with this Marine or Navy guy or whatever. And they start going at it. And I'm like, oh shit. And like Bull's there too. He we were all wrestling as the monsters at the time. It was this yeah. must have been afterwards. It was Jester was bull pain and I was Gray Skull, and Tom was tornado juicy. And all these Marines start popping their heads up, and we realize we're like 3 to 12. <laughs> we might get our asses kicked here. Thank God it it defused. But that was wild. Yeah, that was, Pungi was a cool area. It was a tourist area where all the foreigners were. There were people from all over the world, models, people everywhere. And uh, we would always try to go there on our days off. So, yeah, Japan is great. And Tom did great. He did really good. And when we were at Kurokian Hall, I didn't realize that Kurokian Hall only has one side of seating you know you really? think when you yeah it's not like a yeah if you ever watch it now you'll see that remember tom there's there's no mm-hmm. there's no people on the one side and it's just like a big like a like a big theater and it's up by it's like it's like on a i don't know what floor it's on but it's it's, it's you have to take an elevator up it's like 12 or 13 floors up yeah wow it's not it's, it's not a standalone building like you think right
1: that's uh I've never, I never knew that after all these years of being a wrestling fan and, and, and talking to people about working in that place, I finally learned about that. Very interesting. Um, It's really cool. Yeah. Little little
2: tidbit there. All the boys signed the wall,
0: right? Oh yeah. Signed the wall uh, when you were there, you know. That's a good point, Tom. There's a wall at the Krookian Hall that all the wrestlers sign. And then you can kind of see who else signed friends. and you can sign next to them and all that. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Right, wow, really cool
1: stuff. Learning things, that's, that's what life's all about as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and uh, more learning to come here in this interview, the run in Windy City does come to an end, Mike. And I wanted to ask you, uh, what led to the Hangman's return to Puerto Rico? Um, and uh, then after that, I will follow up with Tom. But
0: uh, how did that um, come about? After uh, Windy City, which was kind of like our trial run as the Hangman, yeah, I, I I felt like we were ready for Puerto Rico, and I had been there with Bulls, so obviously, you know, we had an expectation to live up to. And uh, Tom and I went there, and we had the straps. The first time I was there, we had, our manager was Profi. This time, it was Rico Suave, which was, he was great, too. And um, we were there, shit. How long we were we there, Tom? We were there a while, huh?
2: Yeah, we were. I, I'd have to say that was probably around a six- to eight-month deal.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe a year. But we were yeah. there for a while, and um, it, it was it was great. Um, Tom was great. The Puerto, To be honest with you, and Tom will tell you this, Puerto Rico is an easy territory because it's a lot of punching and kicking, not a lot of bumps. The fans respond to everything. It's not a tough territory to work, and as long as you can make sure you get your damn payday, you know, you're great. And obviously at the end, that's where the problem came in, and if you see that belt next to Tom – that's that's you. part of the not, that's part of the not getting paid Puerto Rico thing. <laughs> that was our pig. That was his. Yeah, that was. We both have one of those. Yeah.
1: <laughs> excellent. No, I, I remember. Do uh, you showed me the belt uh, in your interview, Mike, when we had that our solo interview? Now I've seen the second one. Um, so excellent stuff, uh, Tom. I'd like to confirm this with you because uh, you know, as we know, since I interviewed Mike, we talk almost every day. Uh, and I asked him a little bit about uh, Puerto Rican women, uh, because I, I'm just fascinated. Uh, and uh, he told me that they're very beautiful, but uh, they're wi- the women's asses there uh, were as big as Yokozuna's. Can you confirm this? Yeah, that's
2: a big confirmation there, buddy. I come from Wisconsin, so I, I'm used to that, right? So, <laughs> <laughs>
0: But yeah, I want yeah, to they're... interject though. That's not all of them, but yes, that for the most part, that we're going to get a lot of heat for this. Puerto Rican women are beautiful, but some of them have large lower regions, and uh, yeah, yeah. But but I didn't say that about all. Let's make that clear. No, no, no. Back
1: let's let's please uh, ensure that we don't mean all of them. But um, I just wanted to confirm that. That's all.
0: So so I wanted to say something <laughs> about Puerto Rico thing. So when we had the when we had the belts there. Long story short, they owed us some money. And then we went to Japan and I had told Carlos before we left, I said, listen, if, if we're gonna, we're leaving to Japan, when we come back, we're not bringing the belts back unless you pay us the money you owe us. He was like, oh, it'll be here when you got here. Well, we had a feeling it wouldn't be. So when we got back, we had left the belts back in Wisconsin. Remember that, Tom? Yep. And uh, so, so when we got to the, it was funny because when we got to the building to defend our straps, we came out with no straps, and they lost their mind. Victor Javica and Carlos came to they like, where's the straps? And I said, I told you we're not bringing them unless you pay us. And eventually, they had us drop the straps, but we actually had no physical straps. We had to drop the straps, and then we just kept them, and it kind of just got brushed under the carpet. It was really weird. Strange. Right.
2: Fair not they carry enough.
0: trophies. Uh, What's I, that?
2: I, not, not to carry trophies like the TV. The TV. Well,
0: Looking back, I'm glad it happened because we love having our straps, but I I didn't like the fact that we had to do that, you know, but honestly, I mean, I think they understood that, you know, if you owe us money, what are we supposed to do? Absolutely. Makes
1: sense to me. And uh, I wanted to take this time to keep talking a little bit about, about Puerto Rico and, and uh, making some comparisons. So I wanted to ask uh, Tom first, uh, how did the experience as a hangman there and the run there as a hangman differ? For you in comparison to your previous time there as black jack
2: bennett uh-uh. well first of all uh uh when i came in as black jack bennett that was after uh, right yeah i was i was a mid mid you know a mid-card guy you know what i mean when i came in with mike I mean, I'm sure the expectation was for somewhere for us to get a a, a championship run, right? And we did, and we and we got the belts. But uh, so I think it, I think the two different things there is is the elevation. You know what I mean? Uh, I I didn't really need to earn my spot going with Mike, right? I mean, it was you know what I mean. I mean, so as Blackjack Bennett, I had to work a little harder. Uh, to try to elevate myself up the card is is what I would think would be the difference in that. Yeah.
1: Right. And, and again, now with you, Mike, uh, uh, to make that comparison, obviously that the hangman had been there before, but before was with Frank, how would you compare the two times uh, with the two different
0: partners? Um, I was actually there when he was Blackjack Bennett. I was as mighty Kodiak. So I saw, I mean, he he was doing mid-card, but he was doing great. I mean, Tom can work with anybody. I mean, he's really smooth, and it was it was cool. He had great interviews. Um, the only reason he didn't get pushed harder, honestly, is I just think that they had other guys that had already been established at that time, you know. But um, it was cool. We 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 worked on the same cards. We we stayed in the same hotels. Um, the only reason Tom had to leave is because his sister unfortunately passed. Was that when she passed, Tom? But uh, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, but he was having a good time. Let me tell you something. Tom was having a good time in Puerto Rico. You had your your wife was down there, right? Yep, she came down too. Yeah, though. he was trust me, Tom was living it up. I mean, anytime I went to the beach, there was Tom doing cartwheels on the on the sands. You know, he was living, <laughs> he was living life. It was, a,
2: it was a good place to be.
0: Okay, he wasn't doing cartwheels, but he was doing the he was doing the um the caterpillar. What's that thing called the worm? Yeah. He was doing the worm. The worm, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh uh, but also uh, specifically, Mike, uh, uh you, you've been there
1: previously with Frank as the hangman, and now you're mm-hmm. there this time with Tom as the hangman. Uh, there, is there any differences in business? Is business up? Is business down in
0: comparison? What's it like in comparison? Um, I'll be honest. I mean, when Tom and I were there, it wasn't as impact. The impact wasn't as much as when Bull and I was there. But 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 we had already, you know, if there's a set of hangmen there, and then the next time you come back, it's not going to be the same. And we had done the big angle with Invader when it was Bull and I, and now Tom and I come back, and I mean, we we both had the straps. But the time with Bull was much more impactful and the houses were bigger. Um, But Tom and I drew good houses and we had good matches and the office loved us. So, I mean, they, they were both successful runs. It's just the first one, like in most cases, the first time is always going to be the best time, you know. Right.
1: Excellent. Um, So uh, I would just see if there was any other stories uh, that you two could tell just about, you know, just any sort of hijinks, shenanigans, having fun together, you know, while you're there in Puerto Rico, anything stand out Um, of, you know, just you two and your friendship, I guess I I want to bring up and, and hmm. you two just, you know, having a good time.
0: I don't know, Tom, I can't think of, you know, the thing is, when we were in Puerto Rico, him and I, like, um, He had his wife there, Mm -hmm. and I think I I had my girlfriend there at the time, too, right? And uh, we didn't go out and party a whole lot. We were just there for business. We'd go work out in the daytime. Um, We never brought our girls to the shows because it was too dangerous because the fans are so crazy. Right, Tom? Yeah, that's that's true. You would would never, because they would spot them out in a second, these American girls. And it was just a it was a it was a tough territory. I mean, the fans didn't play around. If they saw American girls, they'd know that they were with the guys. And so we never brought our girls there. Um, But we had fun. We'd go to Old San Juan and hang out and do things. And you know, we made the best of it. It was it was it was a great time, man. It was like everything else between Tom and I was one of special memories, man.
1: Yeah, because I guess it's helpful that uh, you're both wearing masks. So uh, you're going to be noticed uh, by the very passionate well, Puerto Rican fans outside, right?
0: We wouldn't be recognized as the hangman necessarily. But but at the building, though, if you brought your girlfriends, they would know that there's some American girls there. They have to be dating some of the guys that they probably don't like. But yeah, you're right. Outside the, outside the buildings, just like even when a bull and I were there. People didn't really think they just thought we were tourists, pretty much. Yeah, you know, yeah. Was, so that was cool. Bigger right. tourists. right? And
1: in this specific run that you're there in Puerto Rico, I always ask uh, anyone that was worked that's worked there about this, but uh, you know, obviously a heel tag team, a lot of heat sometimes. Were there any moments of a little bit of danger? Um, you know, with a, a typical Texas Heyman post match beatdown. Uh, you know, any
2: stories of anything dangerous. <laughs> Mike, you probably got a few more of them than I do, but uh, you know, honestly, I think violent. When, uh,
0: yeah, when I, I think when Tom and I were there, it wasn't quite because we didn't have the heat that Bull and I had. Okay. <laughs> um, but I will say that I mean, you know, we always were care we're getting into the building, getting out of the building, because these fans are rabid. And um, but I don't think we had any riots or anything like that. The business was kind of on a downturn at the time. But um, things were still good. But I don't I don't recall any like riots. Tom, do you recall any riots or anything like that? I don't.
2: I, I, I remember was time. down there with uh uh. Was Buddy Landell down there with us or was that? Oh just-
0: shit! Yeah, yeah, Buddy Buddy did cause one. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah he, buddy landell he, caused a caused a riot yeah i forgot about that yeah that's
2: right that's really the only yeah. bigger one that i remember
0: yeah yeah buddy landell he was he was he was a maniac him and eric Embry were like the two like most charismatic guys that you could imagine that anywhere they went they just drew attention and um yeah he caused he did cause a riot yeah yeah <laughs> scary stuff uh
1: so uh we'll get to the end of the the chat there about puerto rico it's time to start getting into some disorderly conduct conversation uh and uh, i i know we, we we've covered we, we've covered this story in both your solo interviews about how it came about the opportunity came about to uh, go to wcw uh, and I, I just I'd like to relive the 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 debut I suppose with you both, uh, which we also did talk about. But I'd like to see you two have a bit of a chin wag about this. Uh, I know Steve McMichael isn't doing the best these, these days, and my thoughts go out to him. Um, but at this yeah. time, um, you know, uh, it was July twenty eighth, nineteen ninety seven, against Chris Benoit, against Steve McMichael. Um, this is the big opportunity here for the Texas Hangman. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to see you to have a little conversation about this. Thing.
0: Well, can we talk about how that happened? Sure. OK, so we did our first taping. So what happened is, is we were in the AWF, which is a league that you, you're familiar with, AWF, right, Carl? I think you have you said you have that tape set. Yeah. So we had we had done the AWF and uh, Terry Taylor was one of the agents in the AWF, and he really liked us. He actually was one of the I think him and Mick Hartz were the commentators for that. And um, he really liked us. And so when I moved to Florida, I emailed Terry and said, hey, I'm in Florida. Tom will fly himself down here if we need to. Can you bring us in for a WCW taping in Orlando, which was only 90 minutes away? And I, I didn't think I'd get a response back. But a day later, I got a response. He goes, yeah, you guys are booked for the next one. So Tom flew himself down. And the first taping was me against Hugh Morris, Bill Demond. And it was a singles match. And I wrestled him. And then after the match, it was a really good match. Not to put myself over, but I'll put myself over. And um, <laughs> Arne Anderson called me into one of the trailers. They had trailers all outside the studio where all the staff was. And he goes, man, he goes, you're a hell of a worker. He goes, how long have you been working? I told him I've been working a while. And he goes, that was great. He goes, man, I'd, I'd like to put you with Steve McMichaels because we need to get him over. And you did such a good job with Hugh. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. So they put me with Steve McMichaels on the next taping. And I somehow got a good match out of him as well. So then, Tom, remember, Tom, we were in the trailer. Mm-hmm. and We get a knock on the door, and it's uh, one of the Armstrongs. Was it Was it Scott? It was Scott. And he goes, hey, man, he goes, you don't believe this, but you guys are booked for Nitro on Monday. And this was a Saturday. <laughs> we're like, what? And he goes, yeah, you, you had such a good match with Steve McMichaels. They want you and your partner to wrestle him and Chris Benoit. On Nitro, he goes. I've never even heard of this. Where they bring in two guys that are not on contract on Nitro, he goes. I'm telling you right now, guys. If you guys do good, I think you're going to get a contract. So Tom and I are stoked, and we oh, yes. show up at. Remember that dude? we were like, what? yes, yes. So then we so so the, then we showed up at Nitro on that next Monday.
1: Right, and
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> the rest is history
0: <laughs> and wah, 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 wah.
1: <laughs> I can't remember I'm who sorry. was the one that uh, that, that uh, Steve was trying to hit the uh, the tombstone on? That'd be my fat ass
0: <laughs> Boy, but, here's what, happened. but here's what happened, Tom, you know this too, dude. You can tell it if you want, but here's what happened. They were supposed to throw us together, and we would hit. And then we would pull out, and then Chris would put the cross face on one of us, and Steve McMichael would do the yep. reverse pile driver on the other one. Correct. Here's the problem when they threw us into the corners, the referee says, Go home. Steve McMichael panics and he, <laughs> he goes did. to throw us. As he goes throws to throw us together, instead of throwing us together, he pulls me back into him and starts trying to do the pile drive. Well, I'm 300 pounds. And he's not – he's trying to get me into a move I wasn't expecting. So when he goes to pick me up, we start doing this ballerina dance all around the ring. <laughs> Remember, Tom?
2: Yeah, like
0: the ref gets caught behind you guys in the, the corner. He didn't break my neck. And he drops me. And then we come back, and then, of course, i we saw it in Terry's face when he was there. He kind of looked, like, disappointed because he wanted us to get a job. I honestly feel – Tom, don't you think this – had we – Nailed that finish, which was not our fault. If we had nailed that finish, I feel we would have got a contract right then and there because they, they were high on us. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and and I think, you
2: know, we could have probably done yeah a lot we, more. We would have been I mean. an established
0: yeah. tag team. It yeah, was just correct. one of those things where we, you know, it wasn't, Michael was green, but damn it, if he hadn't done that, and we just threw us together and we called off, I feel like we would have got a contract, and our whole lives would have been different.
2: Well, because to be honest with you, if you don't mind me interjecting, uh the match was real good up to that.
0: It was great up until that was, minute. Yeah,
2: it, it really was. It, it was a great was. match up until then. But you know, the, the the rule in the business is you don't nail the finish, right? It sucked. So, and but but that wasn't then. on us.
0: It wasn't on us. But I'm not. I'm not I mean. You know, should have, would have, could have. But bottom line is, it wasn't our fault that happened. He should have glued us together like we were supposed to and not just grabbed me and freaked out and tried to grab me in a pile drive. It is what it is. Yes, sir. Yes. Might have cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars. Who knows? (laughs) Or or maybe we'd have just been jabrones either way. Who knows? Right, right.
1: Uh, So, uh, I. As we had talked about in, in again, the, the solo interviews, you two eventually become Disorderly Conduct, a name to this day I still adore. Uh, after all these years in a hood together, now we're seeing those gorgeous faces, your moneymakers. They're exposed. Uh, yeah. Tom, I'm going to ask you first, were you happy with the change?
2: Um yeah. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, you gotta remember at that time, uh, a lot of the Mexican guys were coming in. Right. And they all had hoods on and that. And Mike, I think you can. Uh, right. I, th- I think that's really what uh, uh, had them have us take our hoods off, to be honest with you. I don't know, Mike, is that you feeling the same way? Uh, on that's
0: that, a good too? point. That's a good point. That's one of the I think that's one of the reasons. Yeah. So, so I think that's a good basis. Well, yeah. I mean, if you see us in the back all the time and they're like, God, these guys are gorgeous. (laughs) Okay. Uh, but anyways, I I think that he's got a good point. It was because the Mexicans were all coming in with the masks on. And I also think um, the Texas hangman at that point, that name with all the be careful about what you say, I think that name was starting to be. A little controversial, and that's why they called us. Even when we did masks after that, they called us the Texas Outlaws. The hangman was no longer appropriate because uh, you know today's society, you know everything. You got to be careful about anything. Is. And the hangman were never meant to be anything racial or anything else. It was executioner style hang, which yeah. would hang anybody. But anyways, um, I think that was a good point of it, and I think that they just wanted to double duty us. We were so good as workers not to put ourselves over, but you know we are again. I feel that they just saw that we were so good that they wanted to use us as much as they could. And so Terry came up to us and said, Listen, come up with some names, present them to me, and I'll pick out which one I like. And disorderly conduct is the one he picked out. Very nice. Uh, And uh,
1: eventually, uh, you both signed contracts with WCW. uh, Before that was the nightly deal. Uh, Mike, how did the signing of contracts finally happen?
0: Uh, It was pretty weird. Tom can interject on this, too. Um, We are nightly, and Terry Terrell and Jimmy Hart were always pushing for us to get a deal. They were pretty much the only two guys that pushed for us, and thank you for that. And um, it was weird. We had a a booking for a guy named Jay Trout. What was that? Tom, where was that in Illinois? Was that, was it, do you remember what city? It was Southern Illinois or, or Northern Indiana. One of them two, Yeah. So we had a booking for an independent guy who paid us really well. And it was against the Bushwhackers in the main event. And out of the blue, we get a call from WCW saying we've got you booked on Thursday thunder this week. And we had this booking coming up and I'm like, well, we already have a booking coming up. And they're like, well, we need you there. We already sent the stuff into production. And I'm like, well, Okay, but we're not under contract, and we have rights to do other stuff. Not to be rude, but we're not going to cancel this booking because you just called us out of the blue. And they're like, "All right, let's talk. To, we'll talk to production. and We'll get back to you." I get a call two hours later, and like, listen, you need to show up, and if you do, it's going to be worth your worth your while. Trust me on that. And I'm like, "Wow." Remember, Tom? So I call you yeah, up, and I'm like, ahead. "Dude," I, I go, "I don't know what this means, but it sounds like." Maybe they're going to give us a contract or something, but to me it sounds seems so stupid because we we're wrestling uh Kurt and Was it Barry Windham? It yeah. was the Rappas Crap deal. That whole deal with rapist Crap thing and all yeah. that. Was it Kurt and Barry, or was it Kurt and Virgil? Who was it? Do you remember? I don't. Uh, no, okay, I don't. it was the Rappas Crap deal. Oh, oh maybe, yeah. it maybe it was Bobby Duncan Jr. It was Bobby Duncan Jr. I think. But anyways. Is. Yeah, Uh, yeah. So bottom line is, is,
1: it was was Duncan Jr. and and Kurt
0: Hennig in. uh, So we're thinking, what what does it matter? Couldn't you just switch production out and put two other guys in there? (laughs) But but thank God they didn't think that. They're like, no, we have to have you guys. Okay, they have (laughs) to have this orderly conduct. So we call the promoter up and we're like, listen, this is what they told us, and I think we're going to get a contract. And Jay Trout was so cool. He goes, listen, guys, just go. We'll find another. And I end up having two of my students go there to wrestle bushwhackers, and uh, we showed up. And We got contracts. It was yeah. great. <laughs> that is like yeah, we were in the middle of an angle or anything with these guys over anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank that sense, right? thank, we thank to- God we had a booking that same night because things might have been different. But it that that yeah. that paid a lot of bills after that. Yep, right on.
1: Very happy to hear about that. And uh uh there's another thing that Mike, you you mentioned this to me uh yesterday when we were chatting. And um, I, I'd like to just explain. Um, this is something that a lot of fans might not know about WCW at the time. Uh, you had to call up to find out where and when you were booked uh, and and sit on the phone and find out about
0: what was going on. Uh, how did that yeah. work? Remember that, Tom? So you, yeah, uh, it, I remember. I might, might have been the one who called mostly, but basically what it was is every Sunday night you'd have to call a hotline and then you'd have to listen for your names for the week, whether it be the Monday show, the Thursday show, or the Saturday show. And there'd be this like automated message and it would say like it was alphabetical and it would say all the names of the wrestlers that were going to be there. And eventually it would say Mean Mike or Tough Tom. So you'd have to listen to this eight minute (laughs) audio to find out if you were booked for that week. And then if you heard Mean Mike and Tough Tom, then you knew you were getting a plane ticket the next day and then you'd fly to wherever. So, yeah, it was really strange the way they did it. But I guess if you have so many guys, how else are you going to do it? You've got like 80 guys. But yeah, we'd have to, every Sunday night, we'd have to call and see if we were booked for that week. And it would be this long eight minute phone message. And you just have to wait for your alphabetical if it was Mean Mike or tough Tom. It's crazy. (laughs) Interesting. And more interesting
1: stuff, like just these little things that happen behind the scenes. Tom, I want to ask you a little bit about uh, the WCW drug testing and how that worked. And then Mike, you can chime in as
2: well with your memories of this.
0: I did tell yeah, them what had, would happen, Tom.
2: They had, they had definitely had drug testing uh, uh, protocol in place. Uh, I don't know what. uh, uh all
0: right, I'll, I'll let you. I'll hey, let we you were interject. all clean. <laughs> Tom, Tom and I, Tom and I, uh, did drug testing, and and the funny thing is, is why would you drug test us for steroids? It wasn't about. Regular drugs, it was about steroids. Yeah. Yep. Why would you test us when we didn't look like we ever took steroids for the most part, compared to like these jacked guys? But it ended up where when they tested us, I brought some, I knew I was I was taking steroids, but I wasn't super jacked. But I I brought some fake urine and I chickened out at the last second. And I just ended up peeing (laughs) and I got caught. And my partner, not saying he had fake urine. But he passed the test and I didn't. And then I had to take it again. But the next time I was off steroids and I was fine. But, yeah, yeah, they, it was so weird. Like, like out of all the guys you're going to test, you're going to test disorderly conduct. Like, you're not, you're not going to test all these jacked up guys, really. It was probably on purpose, right? I mean, Obviously, yeah, yeah <laughs> we had to test a certain amount of guys in and let's just, let's just test. I'm sure they were shocked when I got what I feel they were like, what jeez' He excuse me you better get some better steroids
1: <laughs> awesome uh and one thing look as you both know, was a big fan of you both uh and one thing that frustrates me frustrated me so much as a fan would be seeing teams like Barry Darso and John Nord. you bobby eaton and hard work bobby walker the pit crew dale torborg and chad fortune uh vincent and kendall windham uh brad armstrong and swole from the no limit soldiers these teams that were either short-lived or didn't even team together permanently at all picking up wins over you both uh did it get frustrating let's start with tom and then we can go to mike you can both just just complain with me that must have been frustrating
2: yeah, of course, it, it, it was frustrating. Uh, but uh, I think the reason them kind of things happened is because we weren't in no angles. We weren't, you know, when Nitro and Thunder and everything co- was coming, you know what? Nothing else meant anything there anyway, to be honest with you. I mean, NW, it was all, it was NWO, NWO, NWO. So I think that's really why those, those, uh, let's say uh, nonsense matches even happened, right? Because it it just didn't matter at that point in my eyes. It it was just all about, you know, well, you got the, you got the poster right behind you. I can see Carl, (laughs) right? It was huge, right? It it was, (laughs) and it just, it, it immersed everything else. And so I think it just didn't matter. That's how I think that's how the booking crew looked at. Ah, who gives a, hell? you know, just throw them in there. We, we got an NWO segment after that or whatever all the right. case.
1: <laughs> what about you, Mike? Mike? I mean, I mean, come on. Um, Look, and, and so these guys are great wrestlers. I love Barry Darso. Uh I think Bobby Eaton's one of the greatest. Workers one of, of the time. greatest. But him and Bobby Walker barely were a team. Maybe for like two weeks. Darso and John Nord barely a team. The pit crew, Dale Torborg and Chad Fortune. I think then he had three matches.
0: It's frustrating for me as a fan. Mike, was it frustrating for you? No, I agree. It was frustrating. And but but you know, guys like Three Count, we'd lose to all these small teams and all that. I mean, Kid Romeo was a great guy. These guys were all great workers. But it was frustrating for us because we weren't getting a shot. But to be truth be told, we were trained by Rocky Stone, who taught us, keep your mouth shut and just do your job. And so on that's that's It's one of my biggest regrets in wrestling. Uh, had we spoke up a little bit, there was many times, Tom, you remember this, there are many times we'd be, Kevin Sullivan would be near us or Kevin Nash when these guys were booking. We could have just walked over to them and said, hey, we got this idea or this idea, or could you maybe think about this? But we never did, not even one time. So that's on yep. us. It's on us, Tom. We yep. didn't do it. and We should have, but we were taught to just shut our mouths and do our job. And unfortunately the guy we were taught from was a guy who was pretty much a, a carpenter or a job guy for the most part. He had done some territory stuff, but bottom line is he was in that same mold. And that's the, unfortunately that's what we became. We just, we just shut our mouths and we should have gone to Kevin Sullivan or Kevin Nash and said, Hey, this is we never presented even one idea to these guys. So that's on us. So we got kind of, I guess, what we deserved, even though we were really good workers. I mean, speak up,
2: you know? Mm. Yeah, right, right.
0: No, it's, it's a great point. It's a great point
1: because when I you know, spoke to Lenny Lane about his time at WCW, they didn't do much with him for a long time, but the only reason something happened was because he took a chance. He Showed Kevin an idea that he had. You missed 100 And he 100% did speak up. He you, did speak you don't up. Yes. Exactly. And then something happened for him. And then him and Lodi, he were now on, on Nitro every single week. So it, that, it that was on us.
0: That was yeah. on us.
1: It rings true. It's a, it's
0: a regret, but you know what? Looking back, we should have done it differently. But when you're conditioned from day one in the business to do this, you know. 20 years later, you should logically think differently, but that's just the way we, we were just happy to be there.
2: Yeah. yeah right. You know?
0: Yep. It's, it, it sucks. We should have done, we, we could have suggested things and maybe it would have changed things, but oh, well.
2: It was yeah. all good, man. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was still great. It was, it was still great.
0: We yeah, had a great time good. and we had a great career and, and, you know, would we like to change things? Yeah. But at the same time, man, lifetime of memories. is great.
1: Absolutely. And another thing I wanted to bring up was uh, the, the the times that you guys worked with the Armstrongs, because uh, I believe from my research, there's five times that you guys worked with them. You guys got two wins over them. So there we go. We're getting some wins there with the Armstrongs, but very good competitive matches with them. Uh, you know, would you guys, when you look back on your time in WCW, think to those matches um, as, as some of your favourites?
2: go ahead Tom. yeah from yeah uh, for me absolutely these guys were yeah. uh, man right i mean come from a wrestling family just smooth as silk and i'm talking about all three or four of them right i mean they, each one of them fabulous guys out of the ring right yeah. i mean just just all the way around them guys were aces in my book yeah. mike what are you thinking absolutely dude those guys are class acts just yeah. great
0: guys. Steve and Steve. I mean, all of them, every one of them was just great. And yeah. the matches we had with the Armstrongs were some of our favorite matches. Um, They would the difference with them and some of the other guys is they would take the time to sit down and really structure out a match and try to present a good product. Unfortunately, when you worked with some other guys, they didn't feel that way. They just want to get out there and do their thing. Um, But, yeah, they were great. And also wrestling Brad on that nitro with Swell, was an yeah. honor because let me tell yeah. you something that guy is one of the best in the business underrated uh, just just an amazing talent and a cool dude too the armstrongs are the best
2: i agree i agree 100
1: <laughs> very cool and uh, i know i told you about this mike but uh tom i interviewed Swall uh geez, i don't sometime earlier this year and, yeah uh, he I did like want that. to pass on uh, that he wanted to thank you both for what you did for him, uh, working with him back then because he knew that he was uh, green as uh goose shit. But uh,
0: <laughs> he, he, well, he recognized was a... you both. But he, was he was a, he was a cool you. dude. He was a cool yeah, dude. Yeah, and he did yeah. the best he could for what he was. He was thrown into a position that, I mean, why wouldn't you take it even if you were green?
1: <laughs> yeah. Money talks, that's for sure. Uh <laughs> uh moving forward now, uh, uh talking about being on the road, Mike, you mentioned this to me. Uh about a three-day loop. It was like the first proper loop that you guys were on, um, which included working at the Cow Palace, which is obviously another great venue. Um, please tell me about uh you know this this time in uh disorderly conduct's career in WCW.
0: Yeah, so we got a call that they wanted us to do a loop. I thought it was the Nasty Boys were one of the Nasty Boys was hurt, but it ended up being with me and Tom against Ming and Barbie. And it was supposed to be Reno, Vegas, and Los Angeles. And uh, we did these loops. Oh, no, San Francisco. It was San Francisco. And so bottom line, when we went to San Francisco, for whatever reason, Ming says, hey, you guys want to come out and party with me? And we're <laughs> like,
2: yeah. Him and Barbie, yeah.
0: Hell yeah. So we go out with those two. And we didn't know that Ming is literally looked like as a king in San Francisco, because there's, there's a big Samoan and Tongan population. there, So everywhere we went, everyone referred to him as king. And we were given carte blanche everywhere. It was amazing. And uh, it was a really cool experience. I mean, you couldn't even believe it. And then one of the mornings, remember this time, this is embarrassing. We're at the gym, and Barbie's there, and we're playing basketball, and Barbie goes, hey, oh. He always called us Chris. I don't know why he called yeah. us both Chris. <laughs> Even though that wasn't an event, He'd always go, Chris, Chris, you want to play this? It was so weird. Remember that time? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so he he asks us if we want to play basketball against him. It's a 1-1. And we're like, yeah, that sounds good. I mean, how could we not beat this big bastard? <one-one?"> He ends up beating us like ten to two. Remember that Tom? And we're yeah, good athletes. I do. I, I do. Who yeah, would guess that big bastard could play basketball so good? Yeah, he yeah. he's a good, he's a good athlete. Both athletes. of us. How does that happen?
2: I, I'll tell you this: I, I I I don't know how that happens, but that's sort of how our whole career went, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good. point. A good yeah, point
2: I, I, I want, want to, I want to elaborate a little on on. on uh, I guess when you know, they said, Hey, you know you want to go out with us and we said, Yeah, sure, we'll go out there. So we'll go out there with some bars, right? Getting we're getting treated really well, more better than we've ever been, you know. So VIP, yeah. Yeah. The and Barbie are so over and what I call it, I called it like Little Samoa, right? Because I mean the, the neighborhoods they took us to were filled with Samoans. The bars were there was no into,
0: there was no Americans except for Tom and I.
2: Right. So, and we get, so we go there after a show, right? So we're talking 11, midnight, something like that. These women that are there and that run home to grab their kids out of bed and stuff so they can see Ming and Barbarian. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's how over. I mean, the next thing you know, this bar is filled with a whole bunch of little tots running
0: around in that place. That's true. Talking, talking to Ming and Barbie. Yeah. That was, that was so cool. That, that, that was an amazing experience. And and, you know, the thing about it is, is um, we did that three-day loop and on San Francisco, Eric Bischoff, for whatever reason was there at the show, (laughs) our boss. Okay. So he's watching the match with us and he went up to Aaron. I didn't know this until Aaron called me back after the match and goes, you're not going to believe this. And I'm like, what happened? And he goes, Eric Bischoff comes up to me and says, man, this, this team, this historically conduct. They're pretty good hands. Who are these guys? And and Aaron says, well, they're guys that you signed to a contract two years ago and they moved with the company four years. He goes, Oh, I guess I got an eye for talent. (laughs) He didn't even know who the hell we were. And we'd been in the company for four years. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. That just shows that, that guy signed a lot of contracts that he didn't look at. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Thank God. Yeah.
1: Excellent, excellent, and uh, that's a great, such a great story. Uh, and 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 we've, we've we've covered we've covered the exit of disorderly conduct from WCW in your solo interviews, which we'll be promoting right at the end of this interview when it goes out on YouTube. So all of you should check that out. Um, I don't mean to skim through things, but when it's things we've already kind of gone into detail on, um, you know, I don't want to have you guys have to repeat yourselves. But uh, uh, you do, got, you guys do exit from WCW. You're used to seeing one another so often, and then you don't. Um, so, so how did that uh, make you both feel? Uh, and and we can start with you, Tom. Uh,
2: when that happened, actually, we did have a tryout with uh, uh, WWE. The Dubs. Sergeant, Sergeant Slaughter uh, got us a a, a tryout, um, so we went. I, I think really what we kept wondering what was next. We were hoping, I'm sure there was something next, but uh, we had a uh, like I say a, a dark match with WWE, and uh, really never went anywhere after that. And uh, I was pretty much as far as I went was pretty much my retirement at that point. Um, you know, you're used to making some okay money right now. You got to think about going to get a regular job and, and, you know, I, I had a wife, uh, you know, I had a child on the way at that point, And, uh, so it just, uh, you got to shift gears, right? Just, just like in life, sometimes you got to shift gears and at least that's the way I looked at it. And, and, thank god that me and mike had different ave- avenues to go down and weren't you know some of the boys boy they get out of the business and and, and to be honest <laughs> with you it's just a shit show after that for them you know and, and they, so, they can never move on right right right
1: yeah so i mean this is a very interesting time in your lives uh micah you know how did you feel um, you know, you, you have this run in WCW. You have this tryout match, uh, which is 18th of September 2000, uh, with the Dubs. Um, you know, how did how did you feel? You know, you, you used to being with your friend t- Tough Tom all the time, and now you know it's uh, you got to, uh, I guess,
0: figure out where to go next. It was it was strange because you know you used to being around the guy every month. Hanging out with them and doing things, and all of a sudden now we're just kind of floating in limbo. But we had the trial for the WWE against the Dubs, and we had a good match, but mm-hmm. we just didn't get hired. And um, after that, it was it was a little strange. I still did some Kodiak stuff, some Hangman stuff. So we, we we still did some indie stuff and did a lot. But yeah, it was an adjustment. It was a it was a different time. Um, But you know, for both of us, we were guys who even. During our earlier career, always had jobs to supplement our income from wrestling until we got the WCW full-time gig. So unlike a lot of wrestlers, we were we were accustomed to actually having to work, whereas a lot of wrestlers, for whatever reason, don't want to work, and they just want to hang on to this thing, and then they're starving and struggling. And we weren't like that. And, and, and today, Tom's got a, a bar, SBG. You know, in Sheboygan, which is killing it, right, Tom? Yeah, uh, things,
2: things <laughs> yeah, things came around real good after COVID, and
0: uh, we're we're back to you know. But he, but even before COVID, though, he's got he's got a bar and grill that yeah. kills it, and 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 the bar is super successful. He's got rental properties. He's killing it. His boy Jed is playing sports. He's bigger than Tom. I'm yeah. uh, yeah. more stud than Tom is, which is yeah. hard to do. Better looking, but, uh, he is better looking. Yeah, better um, looking. Uh, but 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 <laughs> and, and I've got a successful appraisal business that's been killing it every year. Knock on wood for years and years and years. So we both evolve and, and 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 found something else to do after it. Do we miss wrestling? I do. I'm sure Tom does. Course, but we're older now. We've accepted it is what it is, and um we're thankful we're not in the position a lot of wrestlers are where they still try to hold on to going to do all these bookings and all that and surviving on people's autographs. And I don't want to do that. Not knocking those guys, but I don't want to do that. Um But, you know, we, we had, a, we had a good run and it was, you know, I don't miss wrestling anymore because I'm too old to do it. Do you miss wrestling anymore? Tom? No, no, I'm, I'm way
2: over it. Uh yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, you don't want to, you know, I look at it as life's in chapters, right? That was a chapter. Was it a great chapter? Yes. Was it a, a, a way up there chapter? Absolutely. You know what I yes. mean? Yes. Yeah. Um, so, I look back on it, and I, I, I'm blessed. I was blessed to run into Mike, and uh, uh, I'm just blessed in life, bro. To be honest, well, yeah, I got a strong baby. Uh, not a baby boy anymore. He's he's gonna be sixteen years old. He's playing basketball. He's playing football. Uh, That's a stud. Yeah, I got to coach him this year uh, at the high school level. So, dude, I'm blessed, right? So, that's... Excellent to hear. It sounds like it's a chip off the old block. Uh,
1: uh, So, uh, another thing I want to ask about, because Mike had mentioned this to me as well. I was trying to find this on the WWE Network. I can't find it. Um, But there there is a segment where Eddie Guerrero uh in WWF was trying oh, to yeah. get into the yeah. Playboy mansion I found one segment with two other guys that didn't let him in but I know that there was this whole thing where he was trying to get in there to to talk to Hefner to make sure that China's <laughs> spread didn't come yeah. out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: uh, that that was that was during the dumps tryout the next day or well, that same day go ahead Tom tell him what happened
2: no, no, go ahead. I, I just know it was at the, wasn't it the Chicago uh, Playboy? The Playboy? Yeah. Playboy so, Club, so it was yeah. at the
0: Playboy yeah. Mansion in Chicago, because yep. I guess there's different ones. And they, they, we were like, since you're here, do you guys want to do this segment where yep. you guys are like security for the Playboy Mansion, not wanting to let Eddie in because he wants to stop the production of China
2: and her <laughs> yep. Playboy
0: thing. Yep. And we're like, well, if you're going to pay us, sure. Yeah. So we go to the Playboy match. Remember, we got those, those stupid campy button downs that had all the Playboy covers on it. Yeah. We, so yeah. they give us these Playboy cover things. and We go to the Chicago. It, it's in Chicago. And the deal was, is that Eddie shows up and then he confronts us. And we're both standing there like side by side. And he's like, I got to get in there. I want to stop this. I don't want China to be nude in front of everybody. And we're like, remember, Tom, you're like, Bro, you're not going to, you can't get in there. And we're you're like, no, there. you're not. So he comes running, it's campy. He comes running in and we grab his arms and he's spinning his legs. <laughs> like the thing. And then we drove, we drag him out of there. And <laughs> it, it, it was on W because I, I actually saw it on WB. I, I can't believe you didn't find it because your research is amazing. But yeah, it was really campy, but it was so funny. Right, yeah, now, now that I've
1: got the date, now I've got the date of of when this happened. I'm sure I'll be able to locate it at some point. Um, I, I think the, the the segment that I saw was probably from a, a different week. Uh, I, I I tried finding it, and that was what I found earlier today. Um, so there's probably another one somewhere.
0: I will find it, and we will see well, it all. But the but the funny thing is, is like you know, working with Eddie obviously yeah. was, was great. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the guy was. is so cool. Fabulous. And, and and the funny thing is, is that Eddie, and remember, Tom, when we were Eddie and Ray when I got my teeth knocked out? Yep. So Eddie and Ray, <laughs> a year earlier, were Tom and I. Yep. And for whatever reason, Ray decided to slide over and give me a forearm, and he knocked my teeth loose, five teeth loose. And uh, <laughs> when I tagged in, Eddie goes, what's wrong? And I go, my teeth are ready to fall out. And he goes, oh, my God. So we, we, we go into the finish and then the next day, my good partner, we go to the when when I got back, the, the the doctor at the building says there's no saving those teeth. And so Tom and I had to go to the dentist the next day, mm-hmm. and Tom sat there for seven hours. Yeah, it, I got remember that and they yeah, yeah, they, they've they've said, they, Well, you guys gotta fly to Atlanta tomorrow morning because
2: that's where yeah. our dentist. <laughs> so, yeah. fly over. so now we're flying to Atlanta right
0: and, and, then, they, the and then he sat there and they grinded my teeth down and they put the partials in and then I didn't even have my permanent yet and the next day we had to work Billy Kidman and Ray Mysterio on Thunder and I had just a, a fake partial in but we yeah, made it I, through I got, the match Remember I better tell
2: you this yeah, I gotta tell you, <laughs> so we're in the. I, I'm in the. I'm in the dentist's office with him, right? And he's in the chair. And,
0: he had and they're grinding really, me down.
2: Really nice reception. Oh, baby, don't worry. We're gonna give you a nice new grill, and we're gonna take care of it. You know. And so okay, so we're sitting there, and I'm, I'm talking with her and the doctor, and I'm I'm right in the same room. So for some reason, the dentist and the lady go out. And all of a sudden, Mike looks over at me and gives me a big grin. He goes, hey, how's it look? (laughs) And at this point, at this point, they have all his teeth filed to a point to get ready to put the stuff. (laughs) on. And what do you say to the guy? Oh, yeah, man, you look good, brother.
0: (laughs) We took a picture of it. I I pretty much looked like Dracula. I had these big (laughs) fangs and nothing. I was just gross. But thank God I got nice, I got thank you, WCW, because you gave me nice brand new teeth. Right on, right on. $5,000 later, they paid for it. It was great. Yeah. That
2: Maybe is still excellent. thinking with Ray, right? Thank Ray.
0: Yeah, thank you, Ray.
1: <laughs> awesome stuff. Uh, uh, one other thing I wanted to ask about because uh, I don't think I asked you both about this when I had you both on before, but uh, working with Demolition in 2011 and 2012. I just wanted to uh hear about that experience, you know, uh, you know, at this stage in your career, you know, as as it's winding down.
2: Tom, that was for uh Dave Hero. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, first of all, night off all the time. Uh, both them guys are fabulous guys. uh, uh Bill and Barry are 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 I mean super guys, really super guys. Uh uh yeah, always a night off, in my opinion. Uh, uh, right? I mean, it was it was it was easy, very easy. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah so cool. so so we worked them two two years in a row for Dave yeah. Hero, who puts on the biggest shows. Actually, tonight is his big Blizzard Brawl, and he's got a stock crowd, a uh, uh, card. He's he's great. But anyways, we worked those guys, and um, it was always easy working with those guys. It was now to me. Bill was always snugger than Barry. Yep. And I had worked with, I had worked with Bill when he was the mass superstar and he was freaking snug. And then I worked with both of them in WB when I was a jobber and they were both snug, but, but Barry, Bill was always more snug than Barry was. But I got an interesting story about Barry that I don't know if you want to hear. So Barry, um, his son, Dakota Darso tried out for WB and was one of the, he was actually on a developmental deal. He moved to Clearwater and uh, he had, him and I got to know each other. And I got him hired at Shepherds, which which was a uh, beach resort that I used to bounce at when I was a bouncer. And then he ended up meeting his wife there and then they have kids. So if not for me, Barry would not be a grandpa because (laughs) I was the one who introduced uh, Dakota to uh, Shepherds who he met his wife. She was a bartender and then they had kids. So that was kind of a, and then Barry, whenever we'd see each other afterwards we'd always joke about that, that I kind of caused that. But both those guys Tom, you'll say, they were just the coolest dudes. Absolutely. Yeah. Demolition was, they were cool dudes, man. They were very cool dudes.
2: I agree. Yep. Yeah, I'm still 100%. hoping for them to uh, get that
1: Hall of Fame induction. Um, but They should. I still haven't had
0: it. Hopefully. I don't think that's going to happen because of the whole contract thing, right? Right, Carl?
1: Yeah, I think there's like a they they had we we're part of a lawsuit, right? Which is why. Um, but yeah. you know, that's maybe when Triple H is now because he's in
2: charge. If Cody wears
0: it, right? in Hall of Fame and Demolition's not, there's a problem. Hey,
2: how about this? Just remember this, fellas: never say never in pro wrestling. True. True.
1: Yeah, I know exactly what Tom's saying there. Disorderly conduct, the Texas Hangman for the Hall of Fame. I'm saying it right now.
2: <laughs> that, that would be never say.
0: That would be never say never. <laughs> yeah, I
2: think that would be a safe one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus.
1: Um, so we're getting to the tail end here, guys, and and there's some you know other questions that I had here, and uh, Tom, I want to ask you this one first. What would you say is the biggest lesson that you learned from Mike uh, over the years that you can
2: share? Hmm. Great question. Yeah, that that is a tough one. I can't wait to hear this. Uh, uh, as far as the business goes, he really taught me the ins and outs, you know, uh, how to take care of your gimmick, how to get over So I, I didn't know a lot of those things before I became a Texas hangman. And I just wanted to just just go back just a little bit. We we were talking about Puerto Rico before. I just want to remind everybody how hard the rings really were over there. And for for me, that was my real first wrestling every day. Right. So that was really in my eyes where I cut my teeth. So anyway, uh, Mike's, really taught me everything about the wrestling business uh, and uh uh man can't thank him enough you know what i mean we uh, you hear about a lot of tag teams that don't get get along or you know don't travel together or something i'll be honest i couldn't imagine going on this ride without mike by my side right so uh, just man once again blessed thank you guys
1: Yeah. And, uh, and Mike, uh, throwing it over to you, you know, is this, is there a lesson that you learned from, from working with Tom over the years?
0: Um, I wouldn't say a lesson I learned, but I did, I did feel that, um, you know, every time you team with a new partner, it's a different experience. Um, Tom was just, just a sweet guy who wanted to learn and he, uh, he worked hard, he always worked hard. So, I mean, Every every partner you have is different. I wouldn't say it was a lesson learned, but I can tell you right now, Tom was he earned his spot. Trust me. A hundred percent. He earned his spot. And I never regretted picking Tom. And honestly, if it wasn't for Tom and I being together, we wouldn't have had a contract for WCW. And that contract actually changed our lives.
2: You know, yeah, right, I mean right,
0: on. right. The money we yeah. made from, from that wasn't astonishing but it was good enough to where it changed our lives and I, and, I, and I thank you Tom you you know it was great
2: brother you know how I feel about you right We're, yeah
0: yeah
2: yeah yeah
1: awesome stuff guys uh another question that I had uh um right here at the tail end uh uh such a a long time together um, uh, being on television uh, around the world together um to your fans, to the people that you work with. I'll start with you, Mike. Uh, what? How do you hope that uh, you and Tom saw their conduct with Texas Hangman? How do you hope to be remembered?
0: Oh, geez.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough one, dude, because I'll be honest with you. We're, we're, we're very aware that we were just glorified enhancement talent. Um, but we also had done territories as the Texas Hangman and I, I I don't know. i I that's that's a tough question to answer. i I don't I think that I get about every probably three or four times a year I get messages from or mail from fans wanting autographs and things like I think that people still appreciate you know, Tom, yep. people still appreciate us and I and I and I value that, but I don't think that I want us to be remembered for anything certain. I mean we we know where we were on the on the food chain. But at the same time, um, for us personally, man, we lived a dream, dude. We yeah, got to right travel on. the world, we went to Japan, and we traveled all over the United States, and we were at WCW and we were in Puerto Rico. We lived the dream. It may not have been the perfect dream, but it damn sure was a freaking good dream. And uh two guys from Wisconsin yeah. would have made it out of there otherwise. Woo-hoo. We're Blessed, man. We are super blessed. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, I, you know, there's
2: a, a couple guys that are were real uh, uh, involved in getting to us to where Mike and myself got to. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we've said it before, but man, uh, Jimmy Hart, Terry yep. Taylor, you know, yes. with without with guys like that, you wouldn't even be sitting here talking to us today. So, I need to thank guys like that, of course. I, I I gotta thank the fans. And not to make anything light of this, but I think me and Mike are gonna be remembered for a lot more than just pro wrestling.
1: Yeah. yeah. Very cool, very cool,
0: classy answer. I like it. And can and I and can I say one more thing before that? Sure. Yeah. I I, I would also want to thank, just for me, I'd wanna thank. Herman Schaefer and Jake the Milkman Milliman and Rocky Stone for the training they gave me for free when they didn't have to. And for Tom, Rocky Stone also trained him. Yeah, absolutely, These guys, these pioneers that took the time to train guys like us, I mean, you can't say enough about them. And, and, and thank you because they gave us careers that we would never would have had otherwise. Absolutely. Yeah. Excellent,
1: excellent. That, that, that's some great stuff to hear. I really appreciate you both uh, sharing all that with me. And and usually at this part of the interview, I have a segment where I find out about people's favorite things. But the, you see, the thing here is, I've had you both on the show before, so you've already answered these questions. So I came up with a bunch of other ones, but these are kind of Wait. more about uh, <laughs> to do more as, as, as you two as a tag team. Uh, and and some of your favorite things, and maybe some of your least favorite things. But um, let's go one after another. Uh, we can start with Michael. Start with Tom. Either way, uh, if you could both pick, you know, each, you know, is there a particular match that you remember that will be your favorite match that uh, you two got to work together as a tag team? In
2: uh, we can start. With go ahead, Tom. Um, Tom. Uh, one of mine, for some reason, it. Uh, I'd have to go. You know, it was just a Saturday night uh, uh, match, but it was uh, Billy Kidman Rey Mysterio match. I think, man, yeah. we really stepped it up in that match. We were flying, we were doing great things, and and it flowed so nicely. And and so on that level, anyway. Yeah, that would probably be one of my uh, funnest. Anyway, you know what I mean. Excellent. And you, Mike.
0: Honestly, the one he picked was was by far one of the top ones. I mean, that was one of our best matches. Um, I think in Puerto Rico, we had some really good matches too, though. Um, But I can't think of any specific ones. But I think what Tom picked was, that's by far in the top three. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, And the next one was, uh, you know, uh, maybe you
1: both have the same answer or a separate answer. This favorite tag team that you guys worked against over the years.
0: Oh, Go ahead, Mike. Tom? Go ahead, Tom.
2: Boy, that's a tough one, too. Um, man,
0: man. So many, right? Yeah, there's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, years yeah. and years and years. I mean, you're talking like 12 years of tag teams.
2: Yeah. 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 Uh I can tell you one I didn't enjoy too much was the Road Warriors. How was that? I, <laughs> got my well, ass that was before me, game. though. That was
0: before me. That You're was before right. me, just, and I didn't enjoy that either. It's yeah. funny, Carl, because we both wrestled the Road Warriors when we were jobbers before we became who we were. And yeah, those were the worst. <laughs> Did you enjoy the Steiner's? I didn't enjoy the Steiner's. It's disorderly conduct. No, no, uh, they're they're snug too. Uh, You know, (laughs) nice guys.
2: Yeah.
0: Do you remember Tom? Where uh, when we wrestled them on Nitro, and he tried to give you his finish? Couldn't get me up. Yeah. Head. I don't know if it's Tom's head's (laughs) too big or his crotch is too small, but Tom's (laughs) head got caught in his tights, and when (laughs) they went to do that finish, it just didn't. Remember that? It didn't work. Yeah. Well, first of all, he couldn't get me up. Right. He
2: couldn't yeah. get me up and he couldn't. Yeah. Now he finally gets me up and it was, it was just a shit show. Right. And, uh, anyway, the next day we have him again at Saturday, uh, for Saturday night and it went off. W- w- and he, the- but,
0: he, but he did say, get your ass up this next yeah, time. Yeah. 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 He did. He did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about a lot of good matches, about? Carl? Really?
2: All of them. I, 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 my whole career is just, you know, a, a highlight to me, really. So, yeah, they were all good. That's great. That's
1: great. And uh, Mike, would you have a, a favorite tag team or, or a tag team that you feel like could disorderly conduct work the best against, or even just when you guys were?
0: You know, that's a really good question. Um, when I look back, I w- it's going to sound funny, but I think the Armstrongs or the Villanos yeah. because these guys we had actual matches with when you know when you're a tv guy who's doing enhancement and you're putting people over but when you get a guy like when you get a team like the Volanos or the armstrongs where it's back and forth those matches were great and sometimes we won sometimes they won i love those matches and the Volanos was such good guys like the armstrongs i would say those are my favorite matches because those yeah. guys were great um one of my least favorite matches was when we wrestled Nobbs and Finley in a street fight. Remember oh, that time? Yes, yes, <laughs> a hardcore match. Was, field, and, yeah. I, and the finish was I had to take a a splash off the second rope from Nobbs with a garbage can. In front. <laughs> like, like he needed anything else, really? Right. And I was like, "Oh my god, I'm going to die!" But it turned out okay. But yeah, that was that was not fun. <laughs>
1: Excellent. We haven't got too many more here, but uh, is there a team that you wish that you could have worked uh, with? You know, in a
2: competitive match.
0: Hmm.
2: Tom. Hmm. In a competitive match. Yeah. A real competitive match. I guess I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind doing a Steiner deal if it would have been, you know competitive um, competitive yeah that that probably i would i would have got off on that probably yeah how about you mike
0: uh, to be honest with you it's it's a tough call because you know when you're in a situation where you're in that job not jobber but enhancement role it's tough to think about that um there's so many teams nowadays i would love to work with if they were available but at that time in WCW i, I don't think there was any that i Regretted because we worked so many. They used yeah, us. Right. I mean, Carl. Honestly, there were times, so many times that that we'd be booked on WCW tapings where they would use us as both. So we would like show up at the arena. We'd have to carry both our sets of gear, which was huge, and then we wrestle as the Texas Hangman and as disorderly conduct in the same taping. So we were working everybody all the time. They they would. They were getting their contract use out of us, trust me. Yeah, we earned it. <laughs> we earned it, shit. We, I mean, we, we'd we have to change our boots, our tights, everything. That was a lot of work in one night. Yeah.
2: Um, and keep in mind, you also got to change the style of your work, right? So Yeah. yeah. If you become... Uh, uh, mechanical out there, and, and you know, they, they wouldn't be able to do that, right? So you're going to change your style and everything, right, if you're going
0: to keep up the, you know, the facade, right? And honestly, every night that we worked disorderly and Texas Hangman in WCW, not one time did I ever hear people say, this is that group. Like, nobody ever figured it out, and that's, that's a testament to us because – we'd come out with these entire different outfits and nobody ever figured it out literally in the same night that we heard. Yeah, keep in mind that the internet
2: wasn't as strong as as it is now, either back then or anything either. You know what I mean? So yeah. like now you That's instantly hear it. Yeah. That's a good
0: point. because
1: right? yeah. yeah. no, And that is a great point because I remember when I watched those shows, uh, it, it only dawned on me a long time afterward when, you know, I started, Doing some research for these interviews that <laughs> you yeah you two actually both teams I had no idea until maybe two years ago or a year and a half ago so yeah you fooled me as well so <laughs> um so uh, and, and also wanted to say one team I would have liked to see you two work with would have been the Dudley Boys I think that would have been oh that would have been great uh, that that would have been a good one I think um so uh again very close to the end here uh two more to go here. Uh, do you guys have any pet peeves about one another?
2: Um no, I, I, I'll start this one. Uh, be gentle. Not really. Not really. Uh, uh, I, so I'm gonna bitch. be honest. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> to, yeah, <laughs> fucking from, guy. From everybody you talk to, everybody that you know that you talk to. Uh, like I say, when you're out on the road, me and Mike. Really, pretty much always got along. I mean, you're gonna have a tiff here, or there, or something, right? But I mean, as far as as being on the road with somebody, I th- I thought we handled it well. I mean, very well. We you know, like, like Mike said earlier, it ain't like uh, we were out, you know, taking pills and drinking every night. I mean, did we go out and have some cocktails? Absolutely, but you, you know, we didn't let all these other outside forces come into our deal right and i don't know maybe that's the way we were grew up in the midwest or whatever the case is so i'll be honest nothing just comes into my head and goes man you know i always hated that about that son of a bitch you
0: know (laughs) well i'm glad about that jesus (laughs) what about you mike any pet peeves about tom yeah, no, I honestly, I mean, I appreciate that he says that. I think the only difference that we had is that he was married. I was single. So I wanted to go out and chase puss. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't really want to do that, but he'd go out to support me as a friend. So we'd go out to these places and all that. And the only part I ever remember us having was in Vegas. We were there for two days for a WCW thing. And I wanted to go out the second night, but we partied hard the first night. And Tom was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm good, dude. And I'm like, no, let's do this. And we, we got in a fight, but honestly, it was just because I was obsessed with chasing plus and he, (laughs) and he was not because I was single, but honestly, besides that, man, we had the most amazing tag team and he was the greatest partner and it was cool. And, uh, shit, man, we, we just had good times and great memories.
1: Right on. Brilliant.
0: Brilliant. And there's one final one here. It's, it's
1: one final opportunity to blow smoke up each other's uh asses. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love smoke up, I love smoke uh, up my ass. <laughs> <laughs> each other's
1: I want to know what uh, each other's best quality is. Well, you know, Tom, what do you what what do you think's
2: Mike's best quality? Oh shit. Uh as far as wrestling or as a human being? As a human being. Okay, well uh let me think on that. Actually, I want to say something first of all about, about the wrestling in that, you know. Uh he always took care of the bookings, he always stayed organized. He always, you know, he always did that. And, and uh, uh, as far as a human being, man, he's 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 a great guy. He's got a big heart loves to help people out as you know Carl as I know right firsthand and to be honest with you the time that we spent together on the road we pretty much came like brothers right Uh, yeah you gotta argue you gotta tiff whatever right (laughs) eventually we look at each other we go hey we're over it let's move on right and have a good time and that's what we really did Uh, I would say 98% 98% of the time I was with Mike, we always we had a good time.
0: That's yeah, so, great. Yeah.
2: Wonderful. And, and Mike, what, what
1: would
0: you say is Tom's
2: best quality? Oof, man. Yeah. it's it's you got to dig deep for that one. <laughs> I'm going to have to dig
0: super deep for this. No, no. The, the thing with Tom is he's a hard worker. He, he's a Sheboygan, Midwest, hard-working dude, whether it be at his job, non-wrestling or his job wrestling and and this guy never did less than 110%. He always busted his ass. He always was there for anything we needed and and I can tell you honestly man, I never ever felt to myself not even one time that it was a mistake that I chose Tom because he was just he was just a great partner.
1: Well, that's great to hear guys and and I'm feeling it here as well the, the the bond that you two have had there's a reason why you two were a team together and uh, I want to take this time to thank you both uh not only for the previous two occasions where I had the chance to interview uh you each but uh to to take the time again to to have a chat with me with you both together uh means a lot to me because uh you know obviously Mike and I have become really good friends since our interview and you, Mike, you've helped me so much uh, in helping me uh, locate other people for interviews. Really? Um, it, Tom was one of them. And uh, even Tom Rocky yeah. Stone was another one of them. I could I could list off so many that you've helped me with. Um, so I want to thank you so much for uh, uh, being such a, a positive influence for me and uh, always being there for me. If I need someone to talk to, I really appreciate that. I really, really have
0: appreciated that much. Well, I would say this. I mean, Carl, you know, you and I are tight now. I mean, we we message each other almost every day, or for sure every week. I know a lot of stuff about you that other people don't, and and trust me, I'll use it if I have to. But I won't use it. <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. Fabulous, I, bro. but, but Carl and I are are super tight, and we we message all the time. And Tom and I, we 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 don't talk as much as we should but we talk every couple of weeks and, and, and uh, he's always going to have a special place in my heart. I mean, he's, 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 he's my partner and friend and I love him and I love his family. And uh, yeah, dude, it's been a great run and thank you for giving us this opportunity to, you know, talk about our career. Absolutely, Micah. And of course, Tom, as well, I have to thank
1: you as well, personally. Um, I, uh, after I, I had the opportunity to interview you. You sent me a really nice email afterward and, and and it really meant a lot to me that you enjoyed it so much, enjoyed the experience. So uh, just again both of you as well uh this is awesome. For my 150th episode to get to have disorderly conduct on the show. Oh yeah. Now yeah. now um,
0: this, this will be the only this will be the only disorderly conduct together interview ever, right Tom? I mean, I don't ever see this happening again.
2: No, no, no. Uh,
0: Thank you. Thank you, Carl.
2: Yeah, Carl, I'd I'd like to say, hey, I I appreciate you having us on. Uh, It's good to rehash some of the the old history of the Texas hangman and disorderly conduct. Great time every time. So God bless you guys and Merry Christmas. Hey. Thank you very
0: much. Feliz Navidad. (laughs) Uh (laughs) well thank
1: you very much guys tough tom me mike disorderly conduct the texas hangman really appreciate you both and i appreciate you all out there that checked out my exclusive interview with two of the biggest unsung heroes in the wrestling business disorderly conduct i'm california this is the insider's edge and we will see you down the road thank you